your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to uh, Wednesday. Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I always forget the day for some reason. 608-75-7914, like the guy just said. Assembly Rep Steve Doyle coming back from Madison today. He's going to join us here in a little bit. I'm going to try to get out of this segment a little quicker. Brad, note to self, do note to yourself, do the news. Get ready. Uh, I got to do it a couple minutes early, uh, so we can we can maximize time here with Steve Doyle as they uh, were in session today. Passed some uh, unproductive, in my opinion, bills. The the oddity there is they passed some anti-abortion bills, and you can read about them on WisdomNews.com. And there is a fight here uh, with Roe versus Wade. And if it gets overturned, then in Wisconsin, the abortion law is an 1849 law that pretty much bans abortions no matter what. Uh, incest, rape, the mom could die. No, none of it matters. No abortions. And so everybody, I would believe, wants to address, well, not everybody, <laughs> wants to address that because uh, we really shouldn't have laws that are written in 1849 on the books when so much has passed, but, uh, so Republicans are addressing that, but they're, you know, just taking the one side and then some of the stuff that they're passing is, is pretty just unproductive. Uh, doctors can't kill the babies after they're aborted after, if they survive the abortion, stuff like that, the born alive rule, um, as if doctors are snubbing out babies that are going to be okay after an abortion. Super fun way to start the show, I know. Um, but uh, And I'm not taking your call, Eric, from Sparta, because you don't get an opinion today. Uh, 608-785-7914, if anyone else wants the call. Um, I, I do want to ask Doyle, too, about... So Doyle's a, a lawyer, I believe. Pretty sure, I don't know. We, I mean, we can get into that a little bit, but his wife is a judge. Uh, this Rittenhouse trials is coming up, I think, Monday... I think that's, it's November 1st. Is that Monday? Uh, oh, maybe it's Friday. No, that wouldn't make sense. No, Monday. There we go. I'm looking at the wrong side of the calendar. Um, and the the judge there said that the people that Rittenhouse killed, so they're, they're dead. He killed them. They can't be called, did he allegedly kill them? No, he killed them, right? Like they, we're trying to decide whether it was self-defense or not. We can't, we can't call them victims. Judges ruled that out. Can't call them victims. But we can and have to call them rioters and looters. Like, what? So the people, this this kid who was 17 at the time, crossed state lines, illegally had a gun, killed these people after killing someone else. Well, killed somebody and, and wounded another person. After killing someone else, uh, those people can't be called rioters and looters, but they can be called. They can't be called victims, but they can be called rioters and looters. The dead people. Um, the Onion came out with a headline today that said we should also. The judge also ruled that Rittenhouse has to be called a hero. Can't even call him. You can't even call him the defendant or Rittenhouse. You just call him hero. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what the Onion is, then that's on you. That's on you. Uh, just so I'm going to ask Doyle because I I don't understand that. Like we can't call the dead people victims, but we can call the dead people rioters and looters. When I believe that to, the one person that Rittenhouse killed and the other one that he wounded, they were chasing Rittenhouse down because he was running away from somebody he just murdered. 
or killed, however you want to say it. I don't know what the difference is. Murdered because you, I don't know, self-defense and then it's not murder. Uh, so he was running away. Well, you know, some people inside society would see, uh, oh, that dude just killed someone. We should probably not let him get away. However silly that is because the dude's got a gun. Um, so I want to get Doyle to, to kind of help me figure that out. Um, also, with the election investigation that Robin Voss is conducting, uh, there's a story, and it's behind a paywall, of course, so we're going to have to wait until uh, somebody else picks it up and and writes it for us, or you could pay the dollar for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Um, so the ele- election investigation, this is not an Onion headline. This is not a, this is a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. A woman named Carol is helping Wisconsin Republicans review the 2020 election. No one will provide her last name. So somebody is working in this investigation that we're paying 670. Well, I'm not. I don't live in Wisconsin. Ha, I guess I, I work here, though, so I guess I'm kind of paying for it. The $676,000 election. Uh, somebody working in that field with under that umbrella is named Carol. Uh, the hiring of Carol is the latest example of the opacity of review of the 2020 election investigation overseen by former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman at a cost of $700,000. Wisconsinites picked Joe Biden over Trump with nearly 21,000 votes. Recounts and court rulings upheld those results as a legislative audit released last week did not ID any widespread fraud. Republicans who control the assembly and Gableman want further investigation. They brought on Carol to help them. But we don't know who Carol is. We don't know her last name. It'd be really funny if that lady's name was Karen. God, that would be perfect. It's, a, it's, it's really a shame, honestly. All right, I'm going to get out of here. Brad's got to do the news. I'll come back with Steve Doyle. We'll break down some of this ridiculousness and uh, some other stuff. I actually have other stuff, too. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in here, it's the text line. Now, Steve Doyle is on with me, the Greater Lacrosse Area Assembly Rep in Wisconsin or the 94th District. I think we got to, we're going to, well, I don't know. Your district will probably remain, remain the same after uh, redistricting, right, Steve? Um, I have every expectation it will still be the 94th District, yes. I don't um, know exactly what the lines will look like, but I don't think the number will change. Do you think uh, do, do you think that the lines will change, in maybe not just in your district, but congressionally uh, and assembly-wise and, and Senate-wise? Are they going to change a little bit here, do you think? Um, my district, um, if you look at the population changes, um, my district has too many people. It's grown faster than the rest of the state. Next door, Jill Building's district has grown slower because the city of La Crosse can't really you know, expand too much. So she needs to pick up people. I need to lose people. The districts around us, um, north, east, and south of, of La Crosse County, all need to pick up people. So I'm expecting that I will lose uh, a little bit. Um, the um, version that the Republicans put out um, I would lose the town of Burns and the village of, um, uh, um, okay, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, I should, I should know good that you, I, you just... Good thing that I'm losing them because they're not going to be mad at <laughs> you. Don't have, well, I don't know if we'll take those maps out. You, you're coming back from Madison today where Republicans, I think most of your time you said you spent on, you said it just before we came out here, uh, we're spent on these anti-abortion bills, which I brought up briefly, but... 
Uh, you did some other minor stuff that's never going to take the headlines because, God forbid, the the stuff that actually might get past or might have uh, you know you know steals the show. We're never going to do that. But uh, before we get into any of that, the the Kyle Rittenhouse case I think starts Monday, and um yeah and and I said earlier I think he's a lawyer. I just what I meant by that I know you're a lawyer, but I, I didn't know exactly you know there's different I'm, I'm sure there's different kinds of lawyers. So there probably is a, a field of lawyery so to speak uh, where you're like nope that's not I'm not an expert in that I wouldn't know. So I I wasn't sure if this would be your expertise or not. That's why I brought that up. Uh, so pathetically saying that, ah, he's a lawyer, but um, but the judge, and you can tell me if, I, if the, I'm getting this wrong, the judge said that the people that Kyle Rittenhouse shot, two of them were killed, one was wounded. We can't call them victims. We're not allowed, I don't know, we, the the, the people that are defending and the, the, the lawyers in the case, can't call them victims, but we can't, we're going to refer to them as rioters and looters? Do you, did you Have you di- dived into this at all? Yes. Um, uh, and I don't practice criminal law, um, but I did talk to one of my colleagues in the legislature, um, Evan Goyke from Milwaukee, who's a former um, public defender, just to make sure I was right in, in what I thought uh, uh, was the situation. So there were motions filed ahead of time, and the judge um, uh, ruled, um, no, the state cannot refer to the deceased people as victims. Um, but the um, defense can refer to them as rioters and looters. Now, the interesting thing about that is that apparently that's consistent with what the judge has ruled in other criminal cases, where, uh, you know, even if it's a horrible, horrible case, let's say it's a child molesting case, he would not allow the, the prosecution to refer to the child as a victim, um, saying that that prejudices the jury. So this this is consistent in that regard, although um, my understanding also is that this judge um, is considered, um, well, since I don't practice in uh, Racine, Kenosha area, I guess I can say that people consider him kind of a crackpot, um, and he is the most highly substituted judge um, in that area. Um, just because people don't like practicing in front of him. So, so substituted, you mean they? Well, I want a different judge, essentially. Right. In uh, most cases, um, you have the ability, it, uh, the judge that's assigned to your case, you have one chance to um, have a switch to um, a different judge. You don't get to pick who the new judge is. Like in lacrosse, you know, as you mentioned, my wife is, is a judge, Gloria Doyle. If a case was assigned to her and you didn't want her as your judge, you could file a substitution and you'd get one of the other four judges in La Crosse County. You don't get to pick which one it is, but you'd get one of them instead of her. So in Kenosha, um, he's the one that most people substitute so that they go away from him. Okay. Speaking of crackpots, I've read social media. I feel like your wife's a crackpot. I don't know. <laughs> you just get into the um, comments section. That's all I, anyone blames. I, I think she is the most wonderful judge, um, <laughs> even though I never practice in front of her because that would be a conflict. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's always funny with the way you know, like people. I think people would go if they if they live here in La Crosse and they're of a certain mindset. They they would like we get Glory out of there. We need to vote her out. And in Kenosha, on on the flip side, they're probably like, and I don't know this judge's name off the top of my head, but get him out. We need to vote him out. But is there a is there a problem that a lot of that we just don't have a lot of people running for judgeships, judges as judges? Um, well, I think 
the two things go hand in hand. The reason that you don't have a lot of people running for judges against the sitting judges is that it's very, very, very difficult to be the sitting judge. I mean, they have name recognition. They have usually a, a lot of respect. Um, and, um, you know, people just don't follow the details. So unless you're a lawyer or somebody who appears in court regularly, you don't know if this judge is a good one or not a good one. So in, in that regard, um, you know, if there's a scandal that comes up, uh, you know, a judge says something really totally off the wall that, that uh, maybe even results in a recall, um, then you might have a switch over. But it's pretty difficult to knock off a sitting judge. Yeah, maybe a, a, a nationally nationally, you know, all the media is going to take on this or has been taking on this Rittenhouse case kind of exposes this judge's ways of calling people rioters and looters, but we can't call the deceased victims. Uh, That might just be something to open the door, right? I mean, you just need a case like that because uh, the only way that the, that stuff happens is if you get, uh, you get the media's attention in a, in a big case. Yeah. There was a case in Wisconsin a number of years ago. I can't remember the details, but it was something like a, the judge had made a comment about the the victim was kind of asking for it. Then it was a sexual assault case, and I think the victim might have even been a, a child. Um, and so that judge got recalled. But you know, so something extreme like that would do it. But you know, in in this case, the the bigger issue is not is this judge going to get recalled when this is over or defeated in the next election. The bigger question right now would be, you know, this regardless whether this trial ends up with an acquittal or a conviction, is it going to go up on appeal? And the the court throws it out and says, you know, this judge made a lot of mistakes, and we're going to do this one over. Okay, yeah, we'll just have a redo. Um, and then we'll have to go through this whole process all over again. Yeah, a lot of this, the stories that are coming out of this Rittenhouse case are super weird. The, some of the video you can use, some of the video you can't use. Um, these people not being able to, you know, the, when we when the, he shoots the, the one guy or shoots the two people, he's running from after murdering somebody else or killing somebody else. So the idea that, I don't know, it just seems really weird that we wouldn't be able to call some of these people victims. Um, or that that's a conversation at all. We could call them by their names. I mean, we could get rid of all that. But um, Yeah, the, the judge did make a comment, or, or maybe it was the defense made a comment, that um, the, the individual people who are part of this didn't know what the, the, the specifics were. They knew that there was a lot of violence going on, so they may not have known that, um, you know, Rittenhouse may not have known that these particular people were rioters or innocent victims, um, but he may have painted everybody with a broad brush, thinking, you know, I, I need to defend myself because a lot of the people here today are, you know, violent type of people. I, I think that was the the proposition put forward by the defense, and I think that was the the thing that the judge bought into. Yeah, it is weird because when you if if I end up shooting somebody during what's going on now, and I'm running away with my giant gun and people are chasing me, I would I would assume that, hey, they're probably chasing me because I just shot someone. And then, yeah, I probably need to defend myself, but also I just shot someone. So I don't know. Uh, it's and, and, then, and he's 17 at the time. He probably doesn't know any better about what, you know, what's what. Who would, anyway? So, all right, moving on. It's, it's just, uh, well, thanks for clarifying some of that. I think maybe we made more people confused, though, too. Um, did we <laughs> Sorry do, about that. did we do Carol yet? I don't, I, th- I feel like we, no. we, no, I no, talked, we haven't, we okay. haven't talked about Carol. Okay. I'm, I'm, well, I mentioned Carol before the show, but, or, uh, before you come on. Okay. So 
Yeah, the elect, uh, we're doing uh, maybe three or maybe four election investigations into the 2020 election. Um, the uh, this the Michael Gableman, the, the retired Supreme Court judge, has has got six hundred seventy six thousand dollars budget through December, and it sounds like Robin Voss is going to prolong this. Big surprise! I, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. That's what I've been saying all along. We're going to prolong this investigation until the next election. Uh, to just keep it in the news. But it's somebody working under this umbrella with Michael Gableman named Carol is sending out emails or something, and we, they won't tell us who Carol is. It's just a really kind of a weird story. Yeah, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel wrote an article about it, basically um, uh, talking about different, um, I think, like municipal clerks and, and uh, so forth were getting emails from a person who signs her name Carol M., uh, you know, saying, we want this information, we want that information. And... Um, when people ask her what her full name is, she refuses to answer. And apparently the um, Journal Sentinel um, contacted her and asked her for her full name, and she hung up on them. So um, it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know if she – in fact, the, the Journal Sentinel said they didn't know if she was a secretary, is she a lawyer, is she an investigator, um, you know, what is she. And, and I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, if people really believe that there's some sort of election fraud, this investigation it has no credibility. So if they uncover something, the people that don't believe there's a right election fraud are going to say, this guy was a kook and he ran a, a horrible investigation. His, you know, his conclusions don't carry any water. You know, I mean, if they at least did a credible type of investigation and if there are problems that come up, then people could believe it and, more importantly, work to fix it. But I think this one has just lost all credibility. Well, is that what we did with the the investigation that came out, the, the information that came out Friday from the Legislative Audit Bureau, which is nonpartisan? Do you look at that information and go, okay, we can look into some of this stuff. We can try to fix some of these holes? Yeah, there were, you know, several dozen suggestions that they have for, you know, to consider for improved procedures. Um, I think there were like 18 um, suggestions that the legislature might want to, you know, to, to take a look at. You know, for example, um, having a uniform rule about um, ballot drop boxes. You know, that makes sense. You know, what kind of security do you have to have? How early before an election could they go out? Um, where could they be located? How many could you have? You know, those are all legitimate things. The fact that those are, you know, points to, to try to, you know, improve the election doesn't mean that there was fraud or that there was any problem in this last one, but you always want to make the elections as safe and secure as, as possible. So uh, I looked at it as, uh, you know, all good suggestions that we should, should talk about. Um, that one has credibility. I mean, the Audit Bureau in Wisconsin is really respected by both Democrats and Republicans, and so I don't think that we really had any, any fault with that one. Uh, unfortunately, the Gableman one, it's just been a comedy of errors. I mean, it's really all self-inflicted. I mean, he, I mean, the guy is a retired Supreme Court justice. He should have known better, but he just really hasn't handled it very well from a, a PR standpoint. And he's just given the people who are critics of his investigation you know, the ammunition to use against him, which is that doesn't help anybody. It's another crackpot judge, Steve, I tell you. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Steve Doyle, he's assembly rep here in the 94th district. Uh, we're going to continue with him. Steve, can you stick around? Is that is it all right? I can stick around. Okay, we got to take a break. Scott's got to do No, Scott, it's Scott's comment coming up. Brad's got to do the news. We'll be back after this.
All right, welcome back to the Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I got a text from John, and uh, he literally, the, he sent me a couple of texts, but the last one was, if you could translate my voice to text, good job. John can't, I mean, it says dog in here, and you're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse and and uh, him illegally having a gun, but you're talking about somebody's dog, which is clearly a talk to text situation that didn't work out for you. So try again, maybe, when you're not driving. Um, also, Steve, when you were driving home, I got did I did I introduce reintroduce you, Steve Steve Doyle, the Assembly Rep of the ninety fourth District. Steve, when you were driving home, did you notice the clouds? Did you look out the window on your drive home from Madison? Um, I noticed the clouds um, as I was getting to uh, after um, Toma. Uh, it was clear until then. It was, but then it started to cloud up as I was uh, getting closer to home. Yeah, so it was, uh, and it's probably too dark now to see. I should. I was going to mention this at the beginning of the show, but because I was running around, the, I was trying to get. I ran up the Blue Bridge and I ran up to the top of the, some of the parking ramps, uh, and I'll post those pictures in a little bit. But the clouds look really cool, and uh, I was telling people, I'm like, "Hey, look at the clouds!" So I was walking around like some weirdo. Hey, who's this weirdo? So um, I actually also saw a, a car accident on the way here um, that I'm kind of worried could have turned might be a fate fatality. I was driving, it was like at mile 120, and this guy drove past me. I was in the left-hand lane, and the guy who drove past me in on the left shoulder um, must have been somewhere between 90 and 100 miles an hour, goes into the left lane then till he gets up to the next car in front of me. It was like maybe a quarter mile ahead of me, goes back into the left shoulder, and then he go, tries to go back into the left-hand lane um, and either hit the car or spun out or whatever, and he... His car busted into a lot of pieces when it hit the, the barricade there between the, the, the lanes. So um, kind of a disturbing ride home. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, hopefully not a fatality. Hopefully just uh, it's amazing how safe some of those cars are. I, like you, I, I've been in my a couple of accidents, and I've rolled a truck before, and I, I walked away. I was like, oh, I feel pretty good. I felt well, bad the I'm next day. But. He's okay, but I did um, – have my office called the uh, Columbia County Sheriff's Department if they need a witness. Because um, I, I saw the accident happen. It was like a quarter mile ahead of me. And there were other people, too, that saw it, obviously. And yeah. people called 911 and everything. But, yeah, I mean, for as many miles as I put on going back and forth between Madison and La Crosse, I, you know, knock on wood, have never hit a deer, and I've not been in a car accident. So, Well, that's good. Um, and as much as you – and then when you talk to me, you're usually driving home, but you pull over and, and talk uh, – on the on the sh- on the air, but you're pulled off to. Uh, yeah, probably. I always stop at either the rest stop or like in the Dells at Culver's place there or something. Yeah, because I just don't want to risk concentrating on your <laughs> right. stimulating perceptive type of questioning where <laughs> I have to really think hard and would not be concentrating on the road. Well, you leave out that you're eating a butter burger at the same time in the Pocalvers <laughs> parking lot. But No, well, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, all right, so I want to bring this up. Last week, I think Brad Williams in the newsroom was talking to you, and I'm like, oh, you're talking to Doyle. I'm like, Brad, ask him about Ted Nugent. And I think you guys had a chuckle over that because obviously that's just like where the ridiculousness of Madison is at an all-time high when we're bringing Ted Nugent in to promote hunting bills. And we're going to slide like a, 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 a the ability to not have a permit to have a gun or something like that into these hunting bills. That was kind of a weird one, right? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, – I mean, there are really legitimate good – pro-hunting, you know, pro-firearm groups in, in Wisconsin, we didn't need to bring in Ted Nugent. Um, you know, I just don't think he has an air of credibility um, with him. I think 
you know, being a rock star, he's probably had a, his share of illegal substances that he's used over the years, and it may have affected his thinking a little bit. I don't know. Um, but but that's the person they bring in, and maybe it's just like, oh, that'll be cool. We'll have Ted Nugent, and they just use the the power at, at, to be, and Ted Nugent gets his name out there and uh, pro hunting. But uh, you know, Democrat, there's a there's a child labor bill they they tried to pass, or they, was that in the Assembly or the Senate? The child labor bill, I think that was Senate. Senate, yep. Yeah, the Senate Republicans tried and did pass because everything's just going to pass because Republicans have a majority there. Um, so the thinking here is we have a, a, a worker shortage, and the, the the solution from Republicans in the Senate is that we're going to bring child labor laws up to 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 fix the labor shortage. We're going to make the children fill the short fill the gap. I, I don't understand. <laughs> what, what is the thinking here? Yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting solution. Um, driving back and forth between Madison and La Crosse, I see all these semis with signs on them saying, we're hiring drivers. So I'm not sure if that means we're going to start hiring 14-year-old over-the-road truckers to uh, you know be driving up and down the interstate. Um, well, you'd have to change the driver's license rule, which I'm sure we're willing to do as long as we get those kids behind the wheel uh, on the tr- in the trucks, too. But um yeah, the the idea, you know, when I talk to a couple of friends, I'm like, why th- this isn't the way to fix the sh- worker shortage? I mean, one way would be that we don't pay waiters and waitresses two dollars an hour uh, as a as a as a full time wage and or a, as a minimum wage, I should say, and and then supplement that with um, the people's tip money. Um, another one would be raising the regular minimum wage up to something respectable where people could go back to work and feel like they can make a living. Because a lot of these companies are paying people so little money that they're they're making minimum wage, whatever it is, 10 bucks an hour. But they're also qualifying for food stamps because that minimum wage isn't enough anymore. Child labor, changing child labor laws so that we can get the kids into the workforce doesn't seem to be the solution. Well, and even on top of that, I mean... For some of these jobs, you can raise the the rate as high as you want. You're still not going to get people because we have a crisis right now uh, of child care. I was at a a meeting the other day where they were talking, before the pandemic, we had 400 child care providers in La Crosse County, and we're now under 100. So if I have young children and I want to work, and I really, really, really want to work, it doesn't matter if I don't have anybody to watch my kids. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to take that job unless it's one where I can actually work at home. So we have to fix that uh, that situation. And you know, you got companies like Quick Trip, for example, that are are building their own um, childcare center. Um, some of the other big employers in La Crosse are, are doing it or are talking about doing it. I mean, I think that's the wave of the future because, like I said, it's it, it's yeah, the pay is one thing, but it's only a part of the problem right now. It's a pretty complicated problem. Yeah, and I've talked about the Quick Trip thing. Uh, having companies uh, come up with solutions to fix the child care issue. Hey, we're going to have our own daycare center. So when you come to Quick Trip to work, you can take your kid to the daycare center. It'll be part of the package of work. That's great and all until I want to move jobs or I can't work at Quick Trip anymore because it's sucking the life out of me. Or not that it is. I'm just saying in general, I can't work here anymore. It's sucking the life out of me. I want to move. But this company is providing me a health care. Health care is linked to employment now child care is going to be linked to some employment. I can't leave because there's no solution for me leaving and then having child care elsewhere. That's where the government needs to come in and fix the situation. 
I just don't understand why is, you know, childcare is so expensive. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. Is there too many regulations with it or what's going on there? Yeah, there are a lot of regulations if you want to be a, a licensed daycare provider. But, I mean, there is a role for a government-private um, partnership. And I think that what it could be is um, the government giving incentives to employers to start up a, a daycare um, operation uh, or to uh, create, you know, for lack of a better description, conglomerates where you might have multiple employers all go together to have um, a, a, an employer-sponsored uh, daycare uh, center where, you know, maybe for the first year or so, there's some incentive for the, you know, dealing with the startup costs and the initial hiring and training and so forth before, you know, it, it, it can operate on its own. You know, I don't think that we want to have government-run daycare centers pop up all over the place, but I think there is a way that we can work with the private sector to make this work. And that was a, a discussion I had with Robin Voss, the Speaker of the, December, of the Assembly, about a month to six weeks ago, basically saying, Robin, why don't you create a speaker's task force to look into this situation? I'd be happy to serve on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, when you say government-run child daycare centers, that just sounds terrible. Um, but maybe like the the government could supplement some of the daycare centers that are going on. I just it just seems like if if uh, if somebody wants to run a daycare, it's unaffordable for me to send a kid to the day, to daycare and still make a living on the flip side. Um, yeah, so it, it, now when Democrats want to talk about these bills, they never bring in the Ted Nugents. Um, you know, I, Republicans didn't bring in. I thought maybe Macaulay Culkin. It's like Home Alone season. They could have brought Macaulay Culkin in as some kind of like child labor, uh, you know, ch- touting the well, child well, labor. Other bill. people have suggested Doogie Hauser. Yeah, Doogie Pat Neil Patrick Harris. That would have been one. Um, uh, we said last week uh, at one point maybe Democrats should bring an Alec Baldwin as a as a representative to tout some bills, but that no longer can be the case because Alec Baldwin yeah, just and he that just one won't work anymore. <laughs> Right, he just it's over. Although, man, the news, the the media never drops the the Alec Baldwin situation. That's I saw it on the in the news on at the Y while well, I was on the elliptical the other day, and I'm like, really, we're still doing the Alec Baldwin thing. I feel like there's seven thousand other things that happen, but we're just going to latch onto this. Um, we're talking with Steve Doyle, Assembly Rep here in the 94th District. Uh, okay, so I had Jill Billings on, and we got about six minutes here, Steve. Um, I had Jill Billings on a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about um, a bill that she's trying to get passed where children that are arrested for prostitution shouldn't be arrested for prostitution because they're children. Anyone that's underage, you know, it's illegal to have sex. It's called rape. Uh, and, and she's trying to get that bill passed. She's been trying to do that for years. Uh, you came on about a month or so ago and talked about um, a foster care bill that you're trying to get passed. And the idea here. That, that you as Democrats, Jill Billings, yourself, you guys are Democrats. You're trying to get these bills passed through a Republican-controlled legislature. It's an election year coming up. Uh, how difficult is it? Do you just, I mean, do, because when we bring these bills up for in session, they, they, we don't want to give the governor a win or we don't, they, they don't even get... Uh, they don't even get on the schedule to to be debated in session. It just seems like the Jill Billings bill has been it's been years. Like why it, it seems like a no brainer. This these things should get passed. I feel like. Yeah, I mean it's a really sad situation both in Madison and in Washington where there's just so much polarization and and um, it, you know it's not a question of if if it's good for the state. It's a question of is it a good is it good for the other party? If so, maybe I'm opposed to that. 
Um, you know, so what we do a lot of times is um, we'll take a bill or an idea that we have, and we'll go to a, you know a Republican colleague and we'll say, you know. I really believe strongly in this. I, I want to see this passed. It probably won't pass if it's got a Democrat as the first author. Would you be willing to introduce this? And we've got a lot of examples of, of those things. Um, and, and, you know, it depends. Do you want your name out there or do you want to do good public policy? And, and so my perspective is I want to do good public policy. But yeah, I, I got to give an example of uh, a, a recently retired colleague of mine, Lee Narison from, from the 96th District just south of here, you know, I had a, a great idea that I had gotten from the tech schools to create a program for workforce adjustment training, people who lost their job because a company went out of business or moved or, or whatever, and, and this would retrain them to work in a, a somewhat different industry. Great program. The, the, our local tech school is willing to, you know, ramp it up immediately, and, and it was a good bill. So I went to Lee and I said, you know, Lee, I want this to pass. Um, I want you to introduce this. I'd really be honored if you would put me on as the second author. And, and, and Lee said, no, I'm not going to do that, Steve. I said, well, thanks anyway. And he said, no, I want you to be the first author, and I will be the second author. And, it's like, and, and he ran it through the process um, on my behalf. And, and you know, it's that kind of thing that we don't have enough of in Madison anymore. I mean, I considered Lee a friend. I was sad when he you know, retired because he was good to work with. We need more of the Lee Narrisons and the Brian Roods and the Steve Gundersons, people that were known to cross over and work with the other party. And I'm trying to have, you know, the Republicans say, hey, Steve Doyle is the kind of guy that we can work with uh, on the other side. That's just, there's not enough of that going on right now. You know, at the federal level, Ron Kind is another, you know, example of, of that. And it just, that's how you get things done. And if you can, you know, check your ego at the door and really focus more on, trying to get something good done for the people. I mean, that's really why we're supposed to be there. And unfortunately, I just don't see enough of that right now. Would the bill pass? Did the bill pass? <laughs> it passed, and, and the governor, it was Governor Walker, came to Lacrosse and signed it right here. All right. Um, would, that, would that bill get a session right now? You know, uh, I do have a reputation of working with Republicans, and so I have had um, some success of getting my bills passed. So... Um, could it get passed now? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's just tough to get any Democratic bill passed. But, um, you know, if you work with the other side and, and they develop a respect for you, um, it's not easy, but sometimes it's possible. Yeah, putting your name first and then people just see a D and we don't want to give Governor Evers a win right before an election. It just the, the amount of uh, butt kissing that has to go on and the, the idea that you have to cater to a Republican seems a little ridiculous. Hey, can you do this bill? Can you take the, the you know, top credit for something, even though it's my idea? And then you don't want to come out later and go, that bill was mine, because then you sound like a jerk, too. Yeah, you know, and, and right now we're kind of trashing Republicans for that. But in other states, the Democrats do that to the Republicans. I mean, that's just what politics has turned into these days, and, and, and that's really unfortunate. But, you know, on my um, open adoption bill that uh, I've been working really hard on, um, the uh, the person I worked with, the Republican I worked with last session, is introducing the package of bills, and, and I'm the second author on that one. So I, I I was pleased. You know, she could have put me as the tenth author, but she put me as number two. So that that makes it just as much my bill as hers. So I am pleased as punch to have that role. Yeah, I have. Uh, there's a weekly free paper that comes in the mail at my house in Minnesota, and I there was a one of the headlines that was written by the the Senate leader uh, out of Winona. 
and it was like Republicans do something. It was whatever it was. I can't remember. But I was reading it. I'm like, okay, what did they do? And in there, it was like a bipartisan bill. Like that was like the third paragraph. And I'm like, okay, well, Republicans didn't do this. This is a bipartisan bill. So you know, it just seems uh, a little goofy when when we the way we talk sometimes about some of this stuff. But uh, hey, Steve, I really appreciate you, you coming on and 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 spending the, the the hour with us. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm appreciative of that. All right, we'll see you later. Take care. All right, that was Steve Doyle, 94th District Assembly Rep, getting back from Madison, witnessing a terrible accident. So we'll see. Uh, maybe that'll come up in the news here uh, down the road. It takes a while for those police reports to come in before we get them in the news media. Um, all right, got to take one more break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left here to wrap up. Thanks to Steve Doyle for coming on. I will say that... Uh, Steve mentioned we were talking about Ted Nugent and and just touting, uh, bringing in a, a celebrity to uh, to tout some gun and hunting legislation, but sneaking like weird gun legislation into the hunting bills and the uh, the crane hunting thing took the headlines that week. Um, but but Steve did mention something about uh, something about Ted Nugent and drugs and, and from what I'm reading, I mean a couple of people text me and I appreciate it and from the quick one minute of research that I did. I tried to look at a couple of different uh, stories online here. It sounds like Ted Nugent's never been on drugs or done or drank. So uh, he's just crazy. <laughs> he's just crazy. About, he's just crazy rock star. And uh, for and good for him for not doing well. I don't, I mean, if you don't want, if you want to do drugs and drink, do drugs and drink, I don't care. Uh, but if you don't, then good for you too. Uh, so, so there's that. So he's he's gonna wait for the uh, the lawsuits to come, I'm sure, and then maybe uh, he'll be in front of the in front of his wife for for uh, talking crap about Ted Nugent. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, and we got if you don't if you want to listen to it, wisdomnews.com/slash/podcast in a couple of minutes here. But we talked about the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, the idea that we can't call the people that were killed rioters, or we can't call them victims, rioters and looters. We hit that the election investigation and and some of the child labor stuff. Um, all right, that's all the time. Thanks for listening.